0: Nobody can change your life like Jesus Christ. There's no church, no preacher, no Sunday school class can change your life like Jesus Christ. And my prayer is today that when we leave this place, that we all could have it settled in our heart that we know Him as our Lord and Savior. And my prayer is today that you'll take God at his word, in his word, and by faith embrace the truth that he has for us, and that forever your life can meet the master of the universe. Amen. Father, have your way today. Thank you for the good worship and the baptism, and thank you for the sweet spirit in this place. I'm starting to see a lot of folks uh, here today that haven't been able to get out. Grateful for that. Pray for everybody who's watching online with us And we ask that you would have your way Help us to worship in spirit and in truth God, that's our prayer this morning It's in your name we pray, amen Take your Bible this morning and join me in James chapter 4 We're slowly making our way through James in a series called Faith That Works Now here's what James is teaching us that when your life has been radically changed by the power of the gospel it'll work its way out there will be works because you're saved there'll be things you do because jesus has changed your heart Uh, he's turned you into a kinder person he's made you look around and want to help people and and be part of it Uh, i I realize that helping people is not always uh, the easiest thing to do Monday, the holiday, uh, it began to snow pretty good on Monday, and I took Renee to work to Oxford, and I I went uh, to pick her up, and I thought, I'm going to go down Somerville Road rather than the back way from our house, so I went out to 127 down to Somerville Road. If you're with me, say amen. When I got on Somerville Road and crossed over to the other part of it, after I crossed 177 there were three young men walking on one on Somerville Road that did not look like they were walking because they wanted to enjoy a snowstorm as a matter of fact I thought they were Miami students and said what are you guys doing out here they were not Miami students they were Wright State University students who had bought a car from somebody on Somerville Road and the person would not take their check and they were needing cash. And that's when they pointed the gun at me and said, no, no they didn't, no they didn't. I said, well, I can take you to Oxford, you're right. I said, have you guys ever been to Oxford? They said, we've never been to Oxford. I said, well, you're closer to that than any town right now. And uh, they were looking for an ATM Uh, Renee said she hopes they got the car for $200 because that's about how much you can get out or something like that. But anyway, I thought, my goodness, these guys are lost and they don't even know it. This morning, I want to speak to you about something that friends have been talking about, families have been talking about, of should you or shouldn't you. And this morning, I'm going to share with you some information about a shot that everybody in this place needs to take hang in there because I believe God has a word and he's going to use James chapter 4 to teach us this truth James 4 verse 1 where do wars and fights come from among you now that's the way he starts chapter 4 But look at how he concludes chapter 3, verse 18. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. And then in chapter 4, he starts with, Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and you do not have, you murder and covet and cannot obtain You fight in war. You do not ask because uh, you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss, that you may spend it on your pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses. Do you know? Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scriptures say in vain? the spirit who dwells on us yearns jealously but he gives more grace therefore he says God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble therefore submit to God resist the devil and he will flee from you draw near to God and he will draw near to you cleanse your hands you sinners purify your hearts you double-minded lament and mourn and weep let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up now in James chapter four he is addressing believers you know he had to address the tongue issue the heart issue the prejudice issue in this passage but this morning he's talking to those that are on the same team and this morning as I preach to you I recognize that that I'm preaching to most that are on the same team our oldest grandson, Aiden, is playing in a Metro basketball tournament, and lo and behold, the host site is Camden Elementary. They live in Brookville. He plays for Brookville. And, and I, I was able to talk my other grandson, Eli, out of his ticket to be able to go to their game yesterday. And I got up early and got ready to go. And uh, I, I told Renee, I thought I looked quite athletic. Warm-up pants, my black Shawnee Pull over, put my coat on to leave, and she said the words that every husband likes to hear from his wife You're not wearing that, are you? And I said, What do you mean? She goes, You're going to watch your grandson play for Brookville. Put on your Brookville shirt. I said, Now listen, I don't live in Brookville. She said and you didn't go to Shawnee and I said listen at this the line of all lines you ready Shawnee pride cannot be denied and you know what I did I walked out that door turned around went into my bedroom and put on my blue shirt and here's what she was saying you want to wear the uniform of the team you're on so this morning I believe I'm looking at us who are on the same team as believers in Christ. Amen? You might be here today and you're seeking, you're searching. Man, thank you for coming to worship. And my prayer is that you will know him as Lord and Savior. But this morning, believers are on the same team. We, listen, we might even have teammates in other churches today and other denominations. Oh, Brother Greg, what are you, you're opening something now. What are you saying? I'm saying Christians are going to be in heaven, not just Southern Baptists. And there will be some Southern Baptists not in heaven because they're not Christians. Billy Graham said he believed at one point maybe less than 50% of a local attending Sunday morning crowd really knows Jesus as Lord and Savior. Lord, help us if that's the case. So James is addressing those on the same team. And he says, in verse 18 of chapter 3, the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Verse 1, where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from the desires for pleasure that war in your members? Just like that, He deals with peace, and just like that, he starts to deal with an issue that's real, even among those on the same team. And he says, where in the world do wars and fights come from you? Where do these battles come from? In essence, he's reminding us that you can't have peace if you're always at war. I pray that your home is not a place of battle. I pray that your home home is a place that when you leave work or when you go home today, it's a place where you want to be. It's a place where you enjoy going. It's a place where you're loved unconditionally. It's a place where you return that unconditional love with unconditional love. But James is making it clear, just as he has everything else so far, that the Christian life is about living it, not just talking about it, but living it. And he answers the question of where do the fights and the wars come from? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? Verse 2, he says, you lust and you do not have. You murder and you covet and you cannot obtain. You fight and you war and you do not have because you do not ask. Now, I was going to ask someone to borrow a prop today. And I bet some of you have what I'm looking for. Have you ever been to a ball game and seen one of those big foam number one fingers? We're number one. If you have one of those, raise your hand. Oh, I'd have had plenty. I'd have had plenty of opportunity, right? And here's what I was going to say. When you ask most people what the cause of the problem is, they put on that big number one finger and point at somebody else. Do you believe that? We put on that big number one finger and we always uh, derail the blame for the problem at somebody else. And James makes it crystal clear today. Do they not come from your desires of pleasure that war in your members? James is saying the problem comes from an inside job, an inside battle. Now, if you have your insert, I want you to follow along with me. Here's the first thought I want you to remember today. Just as the Christian life works its way out from a changed heart in Christ, sin will eventually make itself known outwardly. Oh, Brother Greg, what are you saying? Well, the Bible says that God gave Moses a word as the children of Israel began to to make their residence in the, in the promised land. Do you remember there were two and a half tribes that said, we don't want to do it. We don't want to live over there with you. We want to live on this side. Half of Manasseh, Gad, and Reuben. But if you recall, Moses said, okay, hold it. The word of God, you're going to fight with us. You're going to fight with us. But take note. Be sure your sin will find you out he was saying if you don't you'll be exposed friend I want to tell you this morning that some of us are in a slippery slope game right now we're rolling dice thinking that nobody knows anything going on in our life we will never be caught we're okay as long as nobody knows and I'll get by with it and I'm living in sin be sure your sin will find you out Some of you've gotten a little too close to that coworker. Shown a little bit too much attention, having conversations you don't need to be having with anybody other than your spouse. Be very, very careful. Because Satan is having a field day and he's just sitting there reeling you in slowly turn by turn because you think nobody Hey, mark your Bible right here. Let's turn to Psalm 32. Psalm 32. Go there quickly. Psalm 32. Verse 1. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Anybody want to say amen? Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, and whose spirit there is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones grew old, through my groaning all the day long, for day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you, and my iniquity I have not hidden. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Folks, listen. Sin is not something you have to drag around your past doesn't have to define what God wants to do in your life but make sure you understand something when you play in sin as a Christian you're going to get covered up in it you know this past week as many of you and as I understand as some of you did in the early service you've been shoveling snow we've got a, a great snow blower here at church I mean it can shoot at 25 yards and uh, we came in after one of those days of that good powdery snow and I told Jay I've got a little time I'm gonna snowblower out and just kind of dig around a little bit and uh, I started uh, throwing that snow and then realized there were about five neighborhood kids who were following me and I thought you know what you're only a kid once right and I began to direct that shoot wherever they were and I'm telling you folks I had so much fun this week I bet bet their mom said, why are you so wet? But I was just laying it on them. And the further they would try to run away, I would lift that sheet up higher, and I was just following them like a great sprinkler. Listen to me. Take note. Be sure your sin will find you out. Now, I believe, as we're in chapter 4, that the shot that we all need to take James is just setting it up and he's wanting us to make sure that sin is a real issue you see the problem with sin is that we crave the old nature the Bible uses the words here you lust and do not have lust is an inward desire that you have and sadly the lust we talk about most of the time has something to do with sexual sin But you can lust after a number of things. Craving the old nature. You do whatever you can to get it. If anyone in here has ever battled any form of addiction at all, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You do whatever you can because you want it so bad. But be reminded of the promises of the Word of God when it talks about our sin finding us out, Paul says in Galatians 6, you will reap what you sow. The Bible says in Romans 14, 12, each of us shall give an account of himself to God. So what's the problem that he's addressing here today? He says, you lust and do not have, verse 2, you murder and covet and cannot obtain, you fight and you war. Now, He he leads us into something that I believe we all can fall into from time to time. And if we're not careful, it will become a trap. First of all, he says part of the problem is, at the end of verse 2, you do not have because you do not ask. You do not have because you do not ask. There are some folks that simply aren't asking God to meet the need that they really have. And if I'm really battling a sin, if I'm craving the old nature... God knows that. Why don't I address that specifically and ask God to help me with that specifically before I start to pray for everybody else and what's going on in their world? He says, if we're not careful, you can fall into the group of not even praying, not even asking. And I'm ashamed to say that there have been many times that I've knelt in an empty sanctuary with tears streaming down my cheeks, because of something that's gone wrong in my heart or in the life of the church and how easy it is not to be drawn to your knees when everything's going good and you're not aware of a problem and you're not, you know, you think everything's going, going fine and, and I tell you folks, I've, I've been on my knees praying that God would break hearts and save souls in our church that we would not get used to altars that don't have people at them that we wouldn't get content with not seeing people come to Christ. He says, you don't have because you're not even asking. Secondly, he said, there's a group of you, verse 3, you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss. So there's a second group that we can fall into of people who ask and don't receive. And the scripture says here, at the beginning of verse 2, You murder and covet and cannot obtain. People were actually killing each other from misplaced desires. Now let me address this group of you ask and don't receive. This is a group that scares me. This is the person who comes to the point where God doesn't answer a prayer how you think he should and when you think he should. And because he doesn't answer that prayer that way, you begin to say there is no God you begin to say, what's the use? Prayer doesn't work. I believe that's a group that James is dealing with right here. He says, yet you do not have because you do not ask, verse 3, you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss. How sad would it be for your faith to be based on whether or not God answers a prayer the way you think he should? And folks, I want to remind you this morning, we're claiming to be on the same team, are we not? Say amen. If Jesus is Lord of my life, we're saying that he's sitting on the throne of my life. He's the king. A lot of times we live, we talk about him being the Lord of our life, but he's certainly not on the throne of it. Our wants and our desires and our way, that's what's on the throne of our life. But how sad would it be to base all of my faith in God on what I think the God of the universe should do? All I can know this morning is I can trust him regardless of the decision he makes. He's already made the decision. So God, help me. If your will is the best for my life, give me a peace about trusting you that only you can give. 1987... You know, I grew up as a teenager in the 70s. But in 1987, there was a rock band called U2 that many of you are familiar with. I believe the album was called The Joshua Tree, and the song was a bestseller. You still hear it from time to time. It goes something like this. I have climbed highest mountains. I have run through the fields, only to be with you, only to be with you. I have run, I have crawled, I have scaled these city walls, these city walls only to be with you. But here's here's what I want you to hear. But I still haven't found what I'm looking for. But I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And James is saying, you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss. You're asking for the wrong reasons and the wrong things. And you'll say, well, Greg, how do you know that? Because at the end of verse three, he says that you may spend it on your pleasures. You see, in asking for the wrong thing and 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 getting the wrong answer in your own lust and in your own desires, you recognize that what you're searching for, you're not finding. And I want to ask you today, what 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 is the cure for? What do you think the cure is? for real happiness. I mean, what are you chasing this morning? What are you looking for? What are you searching for? Just like this song quoted, I still haven't found it. And James continues to clarify it. Verse 3, he says, you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss, you're asking for the wrong thing, that you may spend it on your." pleasures. Number three, wrong motives will shut the door of God's blessing. Have you ever felt like you've done something really for the wrong reason? Most of all, uh, if that's a battle in our life physically, what we want to do is pick up the foam finger, number one, and point it at somebody else. But the devil would have no greater joy than for you and I to do things for the wrong reason. The good, the good news today is, as team members of the body of Christ, when we've come to assemble, the good news is, we should all be here to glorify, glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. The star of this team is Jesus. That's the star of the team. Verse 4, adulterers and adulteresses, pretty strong language here. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? It's against the things of God. Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Number four, when we want our desires above all else, that's called idolatry. Idolatry. It's turning the focus of our worship to something or someone else. And how does God view this, folks? He views it so importantly that the first commandment deals with it. Exodus 20, verse 1. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. As a matter of fact, you should not make for yourself a, a carved, a graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to that, to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord, am your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquities on the children of the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. Let me tell you something. Idolatry led to spiritual adultery. And that's the adultery that James is dealing with today. You know, the Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 8, Then I saw that for all the causes for which backsliding Israel had committed adultery. He talks about the adultery of Israel. And we recognize in the New Testament that the church is the bride of Christ. No wonder prayers aren't answered when the bride of Christ is in an adulterous affair with another God. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 22 you're familiar with it that wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord for the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church and he is the Savior of the body you say well brother Greg how do you how do you interpret that when speaking to a married couple I believe them I believe the topic of this passage is about the Lord and where he is in that relationship is going to determine how that relationship goes you might be here today and you're saying well you know what my wife doesn't respect me let me ask you sir are you giving her a reason to respect you are you loving her unconditionally are you taking care of her are, are you are you making sure she's protected are you loving her and out serving her or is she become your maid to make you happy and to meet your every need folks I want to tell you something Recently, our president said that marriage is 75-25. He is wrong. Marriage is 100-in. It's not 50-50. It's 100-in. I remember when I was a new pastor for you, and some of our folks began to celebrate their 60th anniversary. I thought, my goodness, 60 years. Old people are 60 years old. 60 years man alive what a testimony of life what a testimony of love and sacrifice and commitment what better thing to give your family than a marriage that stands the test of time you'll say well brother greg you weren't in my first marriage or whatever hey hey listen start where you are amen we can't go back and, and redo the past but we can do it now we can do it now And I praise the Lord that the passage I believe when you talk about submission and loving the church, it's it's the Lord's love. And the Lord's love alive in your heart is what God's looking for. I wonder if, if he were to sing that song, if the Lord Jesus would sing that song when he looks at my life. I still haven't found what I'm looking for in that preacher. I still haven't found what I'm looking for in the corner, on the corner, corner of hope. What does that mean? Let me tell you exactly what it means. You can find hope in Jesus Christ. That's what the corner of hopes about. And we're going to introduce you to him. Amen. We're going to introduce you to him. That's the good news. But be careful. God will not share his bride with false gods. That's what they're talking about in this passage. So how are we going to respond in the world in which we live? Look at verse 6. He says he gives more grace, therefore he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to the humble. How am I proud? By attaching myself to the world. What does the Bible say? Continue to read, seven. Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. The Christian life is about God in you, God working through you. Yet James says there are some things that God will not tolerate. Number four, our pride can imitate the king of pride. The king of pride. Let me remind you from the words of Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12, how you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning, the devil. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. You know what the devil's problem was, folks? Pride. He wanted to be God. And what is the solution? What is the solution? God resists the proud, verse 6, but gives grace to the humble. Number five, we all could use a good shot of humility. Humility. Now, I must admit that humble pie sometimes is not very tasty to begin with when it goes down. But you sure do learn a lot when you digest it. One writer said, pride is like growing a beard. Now, if you're not growing a beard today and you don't already have one, what does that mean? Pride is like a beard because it grows daily and you have to deal with it. I'm not saying if you're here today and you have a beard, you don't love the Lord and you're not godly. As a matter of fact, if I were to use myself when I was growing my beard, I would use Renee's words. That is ugly on me. But what does humility look like? Verse 7. Resist the devil after you submit to God. Submit means to be under something in obedience. Resisting means not just to oppose something, but to withstand when something comes. So James writes and warns us, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You know what what I believe would be a great uh, target for us as Christians? To get to the point where the devil would say, well, I'm wasting my time with him. Folks, I want to tell you that a devil will will just let a sleeping church sleep. The devil will let a disobedient Christian sleep. Just live as happy as they possibly can be. Everything at home works. The cars start. You got money in your billfold. Everybody's healthy. Haven't had this COVID. Not planning on getting a shot. Untouchable. But what happens when you do get touched? And you do get sick. And the boss says we no longer need you at work or we're downsizing. We can't afford to pay you. And the kids make some decisions you can't control. I'm here to tell you this morning that the king of glory, when we submit ourselves to him, will walk with us through the biggest fire in life because he's God of God and Lord of lords, he's worthy, he's the creator, he's the one that let that uh, spaceship land on Mars this week. Boy, I watched all, I watched that, and I was like a kid in a science class. And those mission control people, that seven wind, that seven minute window that they were so concerned about, where they would lose some things, and then all of a sudden a picture was sent back, and it was the surface of Mars. Who created that? Oh no, some scientists down in Florida. Who gave those men and women knowledge? God. Who gave him the wisdom to apply all that learning? The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You see, I believe I, I believe that the, even the greatest skeptic scientist has to make room for God. And I praise the Lord that when we submit to the devil, or when we submit to the Lord and, and uh, flee from the devil, resist the devil. Make sure you understand what I'm trying to say here. When I submit to the Lord, it helps me to begin to say no to the things of the devil. Does that make sense? Number six, let the devil deal with Christ in you. So on Sunday nights, I'm doing a little thing on spiritual warfare. Bible says in Ephesians 6, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. It is a spiritual warfare battle. Put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And folks, make no mistake, we're living in a day where sin is downplayed. We fall into sin, we call it failure. We fall into sin, we've made a mistake. We've slipped into adultery, we're having an affair. I'm here to tell you this morning that the Lord Jesus Christ died for sin. And he calls sin by its name, and he says, listen, you need to recognize something. You need to humble yourselves before the mighty hand of God. He'll exalt you in due time. Make sure you understand something. You can cast anything you're going through to him because he loves you so much. Let the devil deal with Christ in you. In you. You see, the shot I'm talking about this morning is a shot of humility. The U2 song finishes this way. I believe in the kingdom to come. Then all the colors will bleed into one. Bleed into one. But yes, I'm still running. You broke the bonds and you loose my chains. Boy, doesn't that sound like a good Christian song? Carried the cross of my shame of my shame. You know I believe it. If that were the end of the song, I'd be okay with it. But there's another line. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Folks, I'm here to tell you, Jesus is what you're looking for. I'm here to tell you this morning that as a Christian, it doesn't matter how far you've roamed, Jesus is still waiting with open arms to say, come home. Come home. I beg to tell you that you'll find what you're looking for in Christ. And James is reminding us that when we take a shot of humble pie, when we take a shot of humility, our life will be forever changed and it starts at the foot of the cross. Why in the world would a loving God allow his son to die on an old rugged cross? That's right. Because he had what you and I I love the old Dottie Rambo. He looked beyond my fault and saw my need. And my prayer this morning is that as a Christian, boy, as, as Tina's picture of baptism just reminds us of the love of God, that today that your life is right where it needs to be. And if not, let's get right with God. Let's get right with God. I want you to stand as reverently as you can. Every head bowed, every eye closed. In a moment, we're going to start singing. And if you're here and you've never given your heart to Christ and and you're thinking, you know what, Greg, now it makes sense. You're talking about looking for something and I don't think I've ever found it and you're saying it's Jesus, it's Jesus, it's Jesus, amen. But here's what I'm going to ask you to do. When we begin to sing, I'm going to stand here on the floor and if you need to give your life to Christ this morning, today's the day. I'm going to ask you to come directly to me. In just a few minutes, we're going to pray together right here on the floor. For some of you, every time I give an invitation, you're under conviction. And you might even be a member of this church. Hey, that's okay. That's because God loves you. That's because God loves you. And he loves us too much to leave us the way we are if listen if we're not sure of our salvation how about today being the day say brother greg that's a hard step i know it's a hard step i did it as a as a 14 year old boy maybe you're here today and god's impressing upon your heart something else maybe you saw the baptismal picture you're saying i've been saved i've never been baptized Will you come? We'll plan that service Maybe you just want to come and get on your knees But Lord, right now I pray we would not view this part of the service as the end But I pray that your Holy Spirit right now God would move in a powerful way God, we know you move Help us to be obedient Right now, in the moments that we have This group may never, ever be together again All of us at once. Have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing, turn your eyes upon Jesus. If you need to come, I'll receive you here. Hmm. that line that says and the things of earth will grow strangely dim i believe that helps us identify sometimes things in life that that we kind of grow out of and god is still faithful amen god bless you thank you for being here today this is a good crowd this is this is a sign of hope as i see today and we had a good crowd we had 73 or so at 8:30. so thank you uh, also A reminder that following this service, the youth and parents will be meeting in the other building. Acacia's worked hard for like a little vision casting time and a meal. So Renee and I hope to see you and meet you over there. And uh, we praise God for you. Okay?